This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the New Books Network. I look back and Christ was indeed not only there, but he, you know, held the fragments like a Kinzuki master and found those fragments to be beautiful when I could not see, I could not see that. A Kintsugi master in Japan takes the fragments of a broken tea vessel and mends it with gold and lacquer, not erasing the damage or hiding it, but creating a new and even more beautiful work of art. Is that how the risen Christ, who appears again with his wounds for all to see, works in our lives and our communities? Mako Fujimura expounds the idea, talking about his artwork, his writing about Shusaku Endo's novel Silence, and his work on Martin Scorsese's film by the same name, as well as the work that he and his wife do with women and children in the red light districts of Mumbai. Welcome to Almost Good Catholics, a conversation about theology and apologetics. I'm your host, Chris Udinitz, and I get to ask interesting people who thought about the big questions to share their conclusions, to explain what we know, how we know it, why we think we know it. I hope this format and dialogue and back and forth may help us approach the truth and have a really great time doing it. If you'd like to join the conversation, please email almostgoodcatholics at gmail.com. Today's guest is Makoto Fujimura. He's a leading contemporary painter, an arts advocate, a writer, a speaker with global cultural influences. His process-driven, refractive, slow art is rooted in the traditional Japanese Nihonga style. His books include Refractions, Culture Care, Silence and Beauty, and most recently, Art and Faith. We'll be talking about these last two. In 1992, Mr. Fujimura founded the International Arts Movement. Now it's called IAM Culture Care, which oversees the Fujimura Institute. His art is honored all over the world. He is the recipient of four honorary Doctor of the Arts degrees. Mr. Fujimura also co-founded Kintsugi Academy with Kunio Nakamura, a Kintsugi master, and his wife, Haijin Shim Fujimura, an international attorney and CEO of Embers International, which is an organization protecting and serving and caring for women and children living in red light districts in Mumbai. She is now the director and president of Academy Kintsugi. It is a great pleasure and an honor to talk with you, Makoto Fujimura, and I welcome you to the show on Holy Monday. Oh, it's it's wonderful to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Do you have a joke you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, since I am um, 
Presbyterian uh, heritage, at least. Uh, I go to an Episcopal church now, but uh, uh, I have a Presbyterian joke. Great. Uh, which is, how many Presbyterians does it take to change a light bulb? Uh, more than one? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we will get back to you because we need to create a committee to figure that out. <laughs> 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 Terrific. Um, beautiful. Okay. So my, f I have some questions. Uh, and yes. the, the, the first one is about evangelization because the task uh -huh. of evangelization, our great commission, uh, yes. is, uh, how, how do we do it? How do we not do it? I'd like to yeah. ask you about evangelization in the history, in history in general, but in particular about the efforts of the Jesuits, since this is almost yes. with Catholics, the Jesuits in early modern Japan. And right. you wrote about Shusako Endo's, uh, silence mm -hmm. in your mm -hmm. magisterial work, Silence and Beauty. Mm -hmm. And you helped Martin Scorsese make the film Silence. Uh, in in your role as special advisor. Now I read I read the book a few months ago after I saw the movie, which is both beautiful mm -hmm. and um, uh, tragic, beautifully tragic, and and or maybe mm -hmm. not. Um, could mm -hmm. could you please tell us about the movie, uh, the the themes that jump out to you, and what was your role as special advisor? What kind of advice did you give? Oh, um, my role as a special advisor <laughs> was to uh, actually I read the script early on, um, and uh, Marty has been trying to make this film for a long time, twenty some years. Um, so this is his pet project, and um, so he had the script way before it was announced that. The movie was being made, and uh, like this version, uh, he attempted to create um, this film much earlier. And and so um, I read the script. I advised. I had a friend who knew him, and he, in fact, was the one that suggested I write Silence and Beauty, uh, which eventually became a book. But um, at the time, I wasn't sure if I should delve into the horrific history of Japanese persecutions in uh, 17th century. Um, Shusakendo's novel, Silence, is, is, is a masterpiece, and, and yet it is so traumatic, traumatic to read uh, as a follower of Christ. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to write this book. Um, I turned them down three times. Uh, mm -hmm. My friend who asked me over and over, and he Finally, said, uh, "Well, would you like to speak to Marty about it?" <laughs> and I said, "Okay, <laughs> I'll speak to Martin Scorsese yeah. uh, about um, you know my feelings about it." And uh, it turned out to be um, a long conversation that um, we both share our experience of being a parent in New York City, uh, raising our children, and in fact, Marty said that. Um, this film is dedicated to his daughter, who was 13 at the time, and uh, and and so the tone of this film seemed very different <laughs> from perhaps other films that he's made, um, and that got me intrigued about uh, filmmaking. And I was on the set twice in Taipei. I I happened to work with a gallery in Taipei, so it coincided with some of my exhibits, and uh, and so I. I, I, I was part of a group of people who saw the final cut before the last edit um, and advised him on some of those um, decisions, but but a very small role, actually. Mm. <laughs> 
Well, I, let's let's talk a, a bit about it. It's a story of two uh, Portuguese Jesuits yes. who go who right. go back in the 16th century. No, sorry, in the 17th century, mm-hmm. uh, and they are troubled. They're troubled that their mentor has apostatized, has turned against the faith. And uh, right. mm-hmm. what what happens next? Right. So this is around the cusp uh, of um, persecution. Beginning of persecution began in the end of 16th century, and um, it was uh, when this story takes takes place. It had began to isolate um, Christians as as a persecuted minority and uh, the first line of the book is the report comes to Rome uh, reaches Rome about this priest Father Ferreira who had committed apostasy apparently and he you know he was a well-known mentor to many young Jesuit priests and uh, he's he's a father figure to many young priests including uh, Father Rodriguez, um, who ends up uh, in Japan with Father Garpe or Garupe uh, in the film, and um, makes his way into Japan, uh, only to be captured and tortured. Um, so that's basically a, a story of a missing person and uh, the the mentees uh, try to. Uh, find him uh, to hopefully uh, find him the reports to be inaccurate and um, so that they can at least report back that that it's not the case um, but but it is not only uh, true but uh, it gets even worse from there yeah and so our protagonist has to figure out what has happened to his mentor our protagonist mm-hmm. has to make contact with people uh in villages leaving living very clandestine secretive christian lives mm-hmm. uh if you've read the um uh the graham green book uh, power and the glory it's a lot yes. it felt to me a lot like that with uh yes. with the priests uh, hiding from place to place going in right. a time of extreme persecution um and a few things are striking one is the tremendous faith of uh pretty new Christians, just a generation or two uh, mm-hmm. they, that they are Correct. able to not only hide the priest, but keep keep things going. You know, there's yes. a moment where the father uh, breaks his rosary into pieces and gives each each one a beat and how what a treasure that is. But yes. also the intensity of of the, at this point, I forget who's in charge of the Tokugawa government, um, mm-hmm. but, but one of these shoguns is really after the Christians for reasons that are right. not, not clear except for just the desire for power. And there is a... Um, there's an antagonist, uh, yes. Inoue is his name, who is uh, very cunning and understands the mentality of these Portuguese foreigners very well himself. He insists yes. that uh, Japan is a swamp and that mm-hmm. Christianity cannot take root. And we know from that time that as the Spanish and Portuguese empire go to Mexico and Philippines, some of these places have become great you know, Christian mm-hmm. societies, even post empire. What's up with Japan? <laughs> what do you What do you think? Do you think indeed it, it is? Uh, you have you have some very interesting comments about how Christianity <laughs> yeah. can speak to the Japanese uh, uh, culture and tradition. Right, my thesis is a bit counterintuitive. Most people say that um, Japanese Christianity never took root. Um, I disagree based on the historical evidence that 
by the time Father Ferreira uh, arrived in Japan, they were um, and, and and during his his post. Uh, by the way, these are historical figures, uh, true figures. Father Ferreira um, does exist, and uh, Father um, Chiera, who was an Italian priest, mm. who um, ended up in Japan to find out what happened to Father Ferreira. It was um, uh, eventually interned in Edo. You can still visit this site where he was interned. So th- these are um, scanned two pages of notes that Endo took. Um, they, they was able to find historically that is in the appendix, actually. The appendix is the beginning of the book. Um, very important to read the appendix. Um, Japanese version doesn't have that segment segmented category, uh, you know, uh, as, the, as the English version does. Uh, William Johnson, the uh, translator, added the word appendix, which I think is a mistake mm-hmm. because Endo surely wanted the readers to read to the end not to miss those two pages um, of historical notes. So these are based on history. Um, Endo loved Graham Greene. Um, and in fact, if you, I got to see the original manuscript of Silence in um, Sotome, Nagasaki, where there's um, Endo, uh, Endo Museum, uh, literary museum, and, and um, in the original manuscript, there are notes about the power and the, and the glory, uh, reflecting on uh, his model, uh, his 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 um, mentor, really, who, who was uh, Graham Greene, um, and so yes, this is odd in in some respects. You would expect. Japanese to uh, the enthusiasm through through which Japanese culture has uh, received the gospel um, in Kyoto alone there were uh, over two hundred fifty thousand Christians, hmm. which is about twenty percent of the population at the time. So that would arguably make Japan a Christian nation. Yeah, um, but soon the uh, persecution began in late. 16th century, and uh, uh, particularly Tokugawa Ieyasu, who was the um, who became the consolidator of Japan, and therefore shogun, um, became this uh, uh, perplexing figure because in in the beginning he really embraced Christianity and. There are many evidences of this uh, that many of the vying wardles also has more explicit than others. Um, some of them were ex- uh, were baptized Christians who were leading uh, parts of Japan, and uh, this so this was a this was fast becoming a power play as well. And then all the southern. Persecution began in late 16th um, century. Um, the 26 martyrs walked from Kyoto to Nagasaki, uh, were crucified on, on the cross, including three children mm. um, who volunteered to join. Um, and that became the persecution era, which lasted for 250 years. So 
you know, I make this point in, in the book, um, you can literally wipe away uh, the institution of Christianity, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the faith goes away. And I, mm-hmm. I, I believe this is the most important points of Endo's book is that the character um, of Father Rodriguez has put through almost everything imaginable to stamp out his faith. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yet at the end, uh, which Martin Scorsese's film is far more explicit than the book, but I think that's the right interpretation that um, something of true faith remains in Father Rodriguez or Okada San- Simon, as he's now called at the end. Mm-hmm. Yes, even after the institution is gone, he he maintains a Japanese household. He's given a Japanese wife. He mm-hmm. stays with uh, the perhaps the most interesting figure, which is Kichijiro, who yes. is, uh, his uh, comes mm-hmm. sort of as his servant there, but for a long time is his guide, and then also yeah. uh, renounces the faith multiple times. Yeah. Um, one more very important thing in this book is these um, brass or bronze images of yes. uh, Christ or the Virgin Mary. Uh, the fumier, which mm-hmm. uh, are for trampling. Uh, yes. And I think uh, um, Endo said that he's never seen a more accurate portrait of Christ. Uh, Actually, that was a friend of mine, a portrait oh. artist said that, a Japanese non-Christian portrait artist. Ah. Um, yes. So, so that's yeah, even yeah, yeah. more significant. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Say, uh, say, say a bit about that. Yeah. So Fumie yeah, is this bronze object, a cursed object that uh, magistrates in Nagasaki um, uh, devised, uh, presumably with Father Ferreira. We don't know that, but um, it could be uh, historically that Father Ferreira was involved in some way, or uh, Chuan, as he is known now, in, 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 in taking a Japanese name, persecuting Christians. And how, how do you find out if, if a person has faith? Um, if for Japanese highly visual culture, it's highly effective to have them step on the image of uh, Christ or Virgin Mary with a uh, Christ baby. And um, they they found that this out early on. There are paper premieres that um, didn't last too long, mm-hmm. so they had bronze cast image made. Um, there was a metal smith uh, named uh, Yusa Hagiwara in Nagasaki, a fam- famous actually a Buddhistic statue maker, who casted these actual premieres. Twenty of them, um, and nineteen of them remain in Tokyo um, National Museum. And I recount in a book how I, I encountered these Fumiers, uh, 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 really something that I'd never seen before, but um, I've known about, um, heard about, but never seen an actual person. And uh, if you go to my Instagram, I did a live performance in New York City, um, live painting with a musician friend, Susie Barra. And the actual Fumie that was used in the set of silence I use in my performance um, mm. to honor uh, my mother and her generations past who are mo- most likely hidden Christians. And so yeah, you can actually see the, the uh, yeah. a copy of the original uh, Hagiwara <laughs> image, which Kichijiro steps on. Mm. And you're absolutely right that Kichijiro is, is the most 
fascinating uh, character in the novel. Um, that is, uh, Endo repeated has said, and that's him. Uh-huh. Um, and and it, it's probably more accurate to say that rather than Father Rodriguez stays with him, he stays with Father Rodriguez yes. at the end. Um, the, the, the image of who holds on to the faith um, kind of flips at the end and and there's a beautiful moment in the film I I, um, I think this is a profound and Andrew Garfield who plays Father Rodriguez and um, the, uh, the Japanese actor uh, who plays Kichijiro has this, this silent moment um, interaction where literally the um, torch is passed uh, in some sense and you see transformation of Xijiro, um in, in ways that are um, really inspiring to me. Uh, but a lot of people miss this because they have already judged Kichijiro in, in mm-hmm. many ways. They have, you know, not only judged him, but exiled and forgotten about him. Um and and yet he's persistent. He he returns. The character returns at the end, and um, there there's a real sense of uh, this new Kichijiro appearing at the end of Silence. Is um, is our view of Christianity often falling on deaf ears when we get into these uh, debates on stage mm-hmm. with uh, you know secular atheists and things like that because we are. Uh, presenting God in, as you say, as a great lecturer instead of as a <laughs> as a great artist. And God, before he was a lecturer, not that God is, we would have God be a lecturer. I mean, I appreciate this because it's a fair accusation of any podcast where I'm always trying to talk my way into into, <laughs> into faith. But that's that's not the best way to go about it because so many of our religious um, um, characteristics are contingent on culture. Our Christmas trees are pagan. German traditions are mm-hmm. Easter eggs. Who knows where the Easter egg comes from? But the, you know, some <laughs> some fertility thing from some yes, time. And that's right. when we we import these details, we obscure the the true faith. Uh, how, what, how do you think about this? Pro- what do you think about this problem? And say a bit or, about God, the artist. Yeah, or we need those images and cultural customs to um, really be able to communally, right, enter into a, a, a form of liturgy that lasts. And so so it's, it's not to say that these forms are, you know, can't be used or, uh, but but it's, it's, it's really thinking about the origin of where these stories come from, you know, and, and so um, thinking about the Japanese uh, realities of many, many missionaries, uh, Jesuits and uh, Franciscans. Odeon um, were very successful establishing schools and hospitals, uh, which still to this day exists. Um, and, you know, much of Western education flows through Rome into Japan. And, and so you know what, what what's going on you know was the magistrates and uh um you know tokugawa era uh, the persecution era um what did that do to japanese psyche and and so i i actually argued the other way that um these 
images of Fumie uh, imprinted uh, into Japanese psyche that they can't quite get rid of um, mm. because the persecution was so severe and so specific to Christ. Um, in, in some ways, that preserved the gospel in, in ways that in Western cultures we have been, you know, twisting all forms of mm. uh, all sorts of ways um, into modern dialectic that um, the, the purity of the good news has been lost in some sense. Um, and so, yes, God is the artist first. If you read the first you know, a few lines of Genesis, that's what you conclude. Mm -hmm. And if you read the last few paragraphs, you conclude that God is the God of new creation. God is creating something new. In the middle, you assume something went wrong. <laughs> and uh, we're <laughs> part of that, you know, brokenness. Um, but then Jesus came and um, restored us to... Um, to enter into the Holy of Holies, as it were, um, to to be the veil was torn. Uh, this Friday, we will remember that mm -hmm. uh, through the cross and suffering that He went He went through for us. We are able to enter into uh, the, the, the to have this relationship with the Living God. But that's not the end of the story. And, you know, obviously Easter morning comes and Pentecost comes and Ascension comes, but that's not the end of the story either. And and the story continues into our lives and what we make matters to God um, uh, greatly. Uh, mm -hmm. In fact, I make uh, this point in my new book that uh, God seems to wait until we make <laughs> to show up. Um, and that that is a strange concept for many yeah. of us to think about. We think of institutionalized Christianity uh, as you know check check boxes that we yeah. we we check, and and then we do the right things to please God. We will be in heaven. But Jesus keeps turning that around and and saying no if you think you are in control <laughs> you're not and if um we by by losing control or losing our lives he says we will gain um life in him and what does it mean you know the, these are parables these are stories uh they're poems and hymns in in the bible full of them um, and yet we treat the Bible as if it's, it's a legal document um, that that we we must abide by this and this and this and this, which is not necessarily wrong. It's just incomplete. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. So we are all junior artists and made in the image and likeness <laughs> yes. of our father even if i don't feel like an artist or if i you have a very humorous passage where you describe how you make every effort to 
create an omelet as skillfully <laughs> as uh, Jacques Pepin. And okay. you, find, you find Pepin somewhere on YouTube and then you get the best ingredients you can and try <laughs> as you may time after time. It doesn't come out the way you think right. is his must do. And now, uh, but surely it's the process, the loving, loving, uh, you know, the yeah. omelet I make for my child that just tastes like yeah. an egg with some cheddar cheese on it. That that's <laughs> <laughs> that that must be that must be the art we're talking about. You say some you say in another place that it's about you know reading to a child or loving someone with yeah. uh, you know a, a hard life or a, you know a disability or the work that your wife does. Uh, how yeah. do we how do we um, mm. participate in this theology of making every day? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. The recipe for omelette is as simple as you can get, right? It's just the egg and salt and pepper. And, but like, why is it so difficult? Right. And yeah. and we forget that sometimes, you know, the information age, you know, we, we, we take in the recipe and then perhaps in a creative age, we try to make something out of that recipe and we can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes hours and hours of practice and failures uh, to make anything. Yeah, even as simple as an omelet. I mean, you know, we are created to be creative. We are makers. Um, and that's that's how human beings uh, can be defined. What did we make? Um, and we have, you know, in modern days, t- turn that into the what, the, you know, what, what what's on your resume or what, what have you accomplished uh, by, mm-hmm. you know, knowing something or, pass, you know, getting a high, uh, high uh, score on SATs or whatever, mm-hmm. but those are not real knowledge. Uh, knowledge is uh, a friend of mine who's a um, clinical psychologist says knowledge is bottom up, right, left. <laughs> so we are born into the world and we learn things. We come to know the world through our touch and smell and taste. And then that traverses into the right side or the, you know, that's a, that's a metaphor, but right side of the brain, which is affective, uh, emotive side, uh, you know, the feelings develop out of those, uh, the somatic knowledge and, and then eventually language, right, comes out uh, to describe those feelings and, and experiences. Uh, so, and that's how we learn. Um, but in our schools, in our churches, we do the opposite. You know, mm-hmm. we feed information through the left side, the analytical side, and we try to understand the the concepts, um, to abide by them, and we force feed the effective. We we try to make our hearts sing with the truth that we just learned, and that's really hard because it's backwards. Um, and and then and then we try to put Sunday truth into Monday through Saturday reality, mm. and there's a huge gap as we all have realized. Um, and it's it's hard to implement. However strongly you believe about God's truth, it's hard to implement that in everyday life, especially as we're all fallen and broken. So how do we? create uh, or how do we come to know God or know the world um, it, it, it's it's right in front of us really we, we in the in the post-industrial age we, we've forgotten that um, our hands are part of that basic knowledge of reality and it just happens to be somatic knowledge is at the base of our knowledge about God as well. And, you know, when we garden or when we uh, 
you know, make an omelet or when we simply play with our children, we're doing something that is fundamentally connected and integrated to all of our uh, realities, including faith. So those wasteful activities, you know, playful activities, let's say, uh, I, I think are more important than we realize to understand uh, God's playfulness, to, to understand that God created the universe, not out of need, but out of uh, gratuitous, you know, reality of God being love. Mm. So when you love something, you create generously and gratuitously um it oozes out uh into the margins and that's where we are um and so it makes sense that um when art artists um are making something um beautiful um when you hear music that touches your soul in some way uh, something opens up a portal opens up where we 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 are able to access that uh, reality it, and it's an extravagant god the whole mm-hmm. project is a mm-hmm. absolutely so, do you think we are at a disadvantage historically because so many things come to us so easily for example if i no. lived 200 years ago and i wanted to hear some music I would have to go find some place where some musicians had gathered, where they had practiced and practiced and practiced. (laughs) And I could, you know, sit and hear, you know, some symphony. And then I go home and it would, I I would remember it for days, if not for my whole life. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I can, you know, look on my phone, this Mozart, that Mozart, which conductor, which symphony, you know, and, uh, Likewise, I have only looked at your paintings on my computer while I've been thinking about your work and, I'm sure that's not the correct way to see them <laughs> because they're very, very well, big. Yeah, they're, um, they're te- teasers, really. I, yeah. I, I understand, and you know, in social media age, not everybody can come come see your work. Um, so I, I try from my side to reach out and and try to create experiences. Um, you know, more importantly try to help people uh, themselves to create. Uh, we, ju- we just came back from India, um, mm-hmm. and my wife, Hedgen's organization, Embers International, literally created during the pandemic. Um, it, it, it was um, established before the pandemic, but it was uh, expanded during the pandemic. Uh, children's Center in the middle of a brothel in mm-hmm. India, and, and the dark, darkest place you, you ever walk into, and there's this uh, shining new building on top of the hill next to a snake uh, temple <laughs> um, <laughs> that is 70 children uh, out of the brothels, um, not necessarily out. They have to go back into the darkness every night, but they are in a day um, treated um, with full dignity and educated uh, they go home speaking English and, uh, um, you know, people are astonished. Um, but when we arrived there, um, we haven't been able to visit for um, two and a half years. So when we arrived, these children that my my, my wife, Hedgen, uh, has um, seen uh, two and a half years ago, it's now grown and... And 70, 70 of them lined up uh, in their uniforms and began to chant, uh, welcoming us, uh, literally singing, you know, welcome, welcome, you know. And in, in only ways that 
Indian culture can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's Indian culture as a way of turning very sim- something very simple into very beautiful and celebratory and, and joyful. And I, I, I still hear the, those children's voices uh, in my head. Um, uh, and and that, like you're saying, that it, it, it's not, it's not. You can, you know. I I recorded it. You know, I listened to that over and over as well. But you know, the the, the moment you are immersed in that um, welcome, it it's just something you never experienced. Um, you know, in America, you know. <laughs> Uh, and and I kept on saying, why is that? Why does that feel different? Well, of course, we went through literal hell to get there. You know, we had to take risks and you know fly during COVID to uh, you know and and just in time where Indian government lifted their quarantine rules mm-hmm. and we were able to get in. It was just a series of miracles. So there's that, but but more than that, I think it's part of what you're saying is that these children are not tainted with social media and Western, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, thinking um, or assumptions. Um, they're simply so grateful to be able to sing together like that, and mm-hmm. they're so proud and they're so um, confident that. Together they can be a community of hope and joy and and love. And you know, it's just heartbreaking that they have to go back every night to the brothels where they will be treated less than human beings, yeah. where they have no chance. Um, but you know, so so the the contrast, right? Yeah. They even understand that to be a miracle, and and so we are immersed in that chant of the miraculous, and and and, and you know this this hope that flows out of that. I, I I just you know came came back home thinking, well, I I that's what heaven's going to be like. Yeah. Well, also, I think this project is so. Um not only beautiful, but difficult because we Westerners and I'm sure Japan also like, we would like to see results today. We would like, (laughs) we would like to have a conclusion, a satisfying conclusion to every effort, but you're working incrementally. And like you say, it's, it's, uh, it's a step forward, but then they have to go right back to the place where they have violence and abuse and um, every horror I can't imagine. So, um, but God does not demand success. He only demands love mm-hmm. and, and faithfulness. Yeah, and, no, that's a good point. And, and it's a generational work, right? Just yeah. because we can rest, if we were successfully able to rescue one of those children, that, that would be success, you know. But, but what about the mothers, right, who yeah. are still, uh, they have to go back yeah. to that dark space and, you know, and and so we're really being ambitious now to create spaces where mothers can gather safely and safe houses where families can move into. But but you know, but but as you know, I mean, every every success, uh, you know, every step forward, there's you know, there's always experiences of frustrations and things going wrong, and 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 human heart is, is so. 
such a complicated reality um, and evil is, uh, you know, so strong in, and so we, we, we are, uh, you know, we face that impossibility every day, but, but at the same time, you know, when we hear children singing, we hear some, you know, some, some reality of hope um, that, um, we also didn't expect um, the, the, the miraculous reality breaking through as well. Yeah. You call this work uh, Kintsugi. Would you yes. explain what this is? Yeah, Kintsugi is a venerable tea tradition. It flows out of, actually, uh, this is not by coincidence, but uh, Japanese culture in 16th and 17th century birthed this idea that uh, um, there was a tea master, Senorikyu, a seminal figure that uh, co- coincided with the Christian persecution beginning was his demise. He, he was challenging the authorities to toward peace rather than toward war, and particularly invasion of Korea. Um, and he paid for it with his life, but in, in doing so, he trained um, many disciples who continued this work of creating uh, of tea as a peacemaking uh, gesture in the time of severe trauma and wars and, um, and darkness. And and out of that tradition comes kintsugi. Kin is gold and sugi means mend. When an important tea ware breaks because of many earthquakes um, and hurricanes that they have, uh, families of tea masters will often uh, hold on to the fragments for generations. And then uh, when it's ready, they will give it to a Japan lacquer master to mend it, not to fix it, but to mend it to make new with gold. Uh, so the fractures amplified with gold, the new designs are made so that the cracks become rivers and mountains and um, as a, a beautiful landscape. So the ending Kintsugi bowl is far more valuable than the original, even if the original is very valuable indeed and and then i you know i make this uh tie with new creation images of uh, christ's post-resurrection appearances christ appears not just uh, a glorified human being but a wounded mm-hmm. human being that's very significant mm-hmm. to me that christ nail marks us with him and thomas wants to touch them he yeah. does not he kneels and yeah. worships um and i think that's uh, this we we are facing in post easter journey this uh resurrection brings us a kintsugi savior um and so what does it mean for our wounds our brokenness what if your life is completely shattered um and the gospel tells us that there is a Kinski master um, who would much rather take that broken pieces, the shards, fragments, and behold them. Um, and, and this God is not going to throw that away mm-hmm. wantonly and, uh, you know, as we would, uh, and buy a new one. <laughs> no, this God says, no, the, these fragments are more important 
than before the the you know the tea wire broke. You are more important now, and I'm going to make something beautiful out of the the cracks and fissures and brokenness. And that's our lives, right? Um, and not just individually, but community. We are Kintsugi community. We can be. And in the days of fragmentation and wars and um, culture wars and real wars, uh, we need that message. Um, we need this Kintsugi savior. And this is, you know, I know that you you lived in New York during 9-11 and the yeah. ground zero was in your backyard. And I know that your right. maternal grandfather was sent to the uh, original ground zero after the atomic bombing yeah. of Japan. And I know that every um, child born in a Mumbai brothel has seen things I don't you know, right. want to think about. Why... What? How do? How do people always say? Why does? Why do bad things happen to good people over mm. and over and over again? Mm. Right, and Christians have very easy answers, like like Job's friends. You know, yeah. like God is trying to <laughs> teach us a mess. You know, giving us yeah. a message, and we will be stronger because of it. And um, those, I found when I was going through my darkness that, that it's not very helpful to hear those explanations of why evil exists. Um, but I needed a savior who would weep with me and will literally waste time uh, in my suffering and my sorrows, uh, in my darkness. And, and in the days when I had nothing left, you know, um, I look back and Christ was indeed not only there, but he, you know, held the fragments, like a Kintsugi master, mm. and found those fragments to be beautiful when I could not see. I could not see that, and so, in my book *Silence and Beauty*, I I speak a lot about suffering and and try to um, find ways to understand this, how theologically we should treat suffering but but also um pastorally you know and and also as a community as as friends and the word silence in you know western terms is something we avoid <laughs> right but in japanese cultures silence is beauty and beauty is silence and so i come to understand that god is in that way, Japanese, you know, <laughs> and uh, and those book is so traumatic and so graphic and direct, and yet it is very elusive when it comes to understanding the truth behind it and the beauty behind it. Uh, to call Endo's book "Silence" beautiful, it 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 takes a you know a book <laughs> to to really. Uh, make sense of that um and yet i believe that through the trauma through the brokenness through the apostate figures of you know father uh, rodriguez but also kichijiro and father ferrera mm -hmm. and inoue and all these characters that endo has written about uh, there's some profound beauty to them 
Yeah, and uh, you know, I the sinner every day who mm-hmm. get get back up. Yeah. Um, Amen. Yeah. 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 Uh, here, here's sort sort of. Uh, I'd like to ask you about Van Gogh because yes. you mentioned him a number of times, yes. and I also <laughs> just he leaps out at me because in in this 1990 movie by Akira Kurosawa called Dreams, yes. uh, Marty Scorsese plays yes. Van Gogh <laughs> yeah. in this very, very uh, strange, I mean, love, very beautiful, I'm, but I'm saying dreamlike uh, scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what is, uh, yeah, what is so, this? So that was right after he did Last Temptations film and became a poster right. child of culture wars and, you know, Archbishop Moore, the Episcopal Bishop, uh, gave him after the screening, uh, the book by Endo, Silence. And yeah. he said, basically, Marty, if you want to wrestle with your faith, <laughs> do it with this book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so he went to Japan to film with Kurosawa and he read Silence on the way. And that's when he discovered Endo. And yeah. so so Vincent van Gogh playing Vincent van Gogh <laughs> and Endo <laughs> overlaps in, in Marty's mind as well. <laughs> yeah. But is there something um, about his art that speaks to you more than any other master? Or, well, yeah, there's several masters like Mark Rothko or Ashogoki or mm-hmm. Agnes Martin or you know William Blake or you know there, there's many. But Van Gogh, Vincent um, certainly stands out as someone who really connected art and faith. <laughs> you know, every painting of his is is a parable. Um, it's, it's really his, his preaching to the world. But, you know, museums around the world will surely not talk about that. Um, yeah. You have to read his letters and, you know, just just read his letters describing his paintings and you realize that he's, he was preaching through wow. his paintings. Uh, because he was not allowed to preach in a Dutch Reformed church where yeah. his father and his grandpa- grandfather uh, preached. So he wanted to be an evangelist and went into the coal mines, and he was deemed unfit because he lived poor, just like them. And they deemed that to be uh, a cause for um, removing him from being an evangelist. So Fortunately, he had began to sketch at that time, and he went to Paris, and rest is what we know of Van Gogh. But but he really wanted to preach. <laughs> he wanted to uh, enliven our imagination toward the light of God, and he kept on talking about it. Of course, his life was twisted. You know, he couldn't um, find intimacy with himself. That uh, you know, uh, to be. Um, a solid base, so he, 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 you know, he his life is full of these transgressions, and you know, many, um, many darkened path. But, but at the same time, he, he was absolutely clear about his mission, and, and that that was what he saw with his eyes, uh, the glory of God. Um, you know, heavens declare the glory of God. Psalm nineteen. That was his paintings, uh, and. and didn't matter if he was in the asylum painting Starry Night or uh, Wheat Fields, uh, at, you know, unfortunately at end of his life. But uh, they were all parables that, that speak and reveal the glory of God. Hmm. 
Are there any other topics we should uh, talk about that you? Oh my to? goodness, this this is fun. I I, yeah. I really appreciate um, your interest in especially silence and beauty, and um, I I think it's Endo's book work. Silence is a profound novel um, for our yeah. times, and. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem to wane with age, uh, which is a sign of true masterpiece. And then this theological discourse that um, we can have, you know, not as denominations or, you know, theological traditions, but but as human beings mm-hmm. created in the image of God, and we are created to be creative. And in this divided age, that, that is one thing that we can set forth as as a stage in which so many different voices can coalesce in in and and create this cacophony you know mm-hmm. uh, in a beautiful way we we can disagree uh, but we have to learn to um sing together you know mm-hmm. and we can have different roles and we can have even conflicting, you know, tension's good in art. So, you know, why not think of it uh, as a theological practice, as an aesthetic project to create that kind of a stage? And you look at the history of jazz, you look at the history of modern dance, it's all there, you know, Mm -hmm. but but I think it's, it's hard for the institution of the church to, you know, open her eyes to see, wow, the, these are voices of the spirit speaking in our times. Um, and um, we can do, uh, we can learn from them, certainly, but we can start creating ourselves. Yeah. Now, it's what you're describing is a is a vibrant family. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's right. what That's what we are. Yeah. Amen. That's who we are. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, oh, absolutely. Michael, I enjoyed you, it. Would you... Would you please say a blessing for us and for our listeners and their families and our world? Yes. And I have this benediction for makers at the end of my book. And it actually summarizes the book. So you don't even have to read the book. <laughs> you can just <laughs> listen to this. Um, and and um, uh, I, I, I would like to bless everyone listening mm-hmm. to this podcast. And um, thank you for your journey toward the new a benediction for makers. Let us remember that we are sons and daughters of God, the only true artist of the kingdom of abundance. We are God's heirs, princesses, and princes of this infinite land beyond the sea, where heaven will kiss the earth. May we steward well what the Creator King has given us and accept God's invitation to sanctify our imagination and creativity even as we labor hard on this side of eternity. May our art, what we make, be multiplied into the new creation. May our poems, music, and dance be acceptable offerings for the cosmic wedding to come. May our sandcastles, created in faith, be turned into permanent grand mansions in which we will celebrate the great banquet of the table. Let us come and eat and drink at the supper of the Lamb now, 
so that we might be empowered by this meal to go into the world to create and to make and return to share what we have learned on this journey toward the new. Amen. Amen. Nails, spear shall pierce him through the cross. Be born for me, for you. And hail, hail the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. Chris Adinitz and Makoto Fujimura recorded this conversation on Monday, April 11th, 2022. The Feast of St. Stanislaus of Krakow, Stanislaw Stepanowski, and Holy Monday. Our music is from Josh and Margot of the Great Space Coaster Band. Their website is www.gscoasterband.com. Our logo, the image of the dog, is taken from a stained glass window at Santo Domingo de Silos near Burgos in Spain and is taken with the kind permission of the Dominican Friars of England, Scotland, and Wales from their website www.english.op.org I'm Chris Odinitz email me with comments, questions, ideas for future episodes at almostgoodcatholics at gmail.com and I thank you for listening and I'll talk to you soon This This is Christ the King whom shepherds God and angels sing